Well, by a cheer, how many of you are ready for the NFL football season that starts this week? Hey, there you go. And uh, let me ask you a question. What team is going to take it all this year? Oh, all right, all right. Well, we're just warming up. Since we are in a conflict series, I thought I'd get you a little bit riled up this morning. Well, good morning. My name is Tim Jones, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. Today, we are continuing in our series with part two in our Fight to Win series. And so this is a series to design to help us in our conflicts. And as Trent mentioned last week, um, he mentioned that we all cannot avoid getting into conflicts. We all get into fights. We all have conflicts in our relationships. And uh, last week, Trent also mentioned that he doesn't really like to do conflict series. And that's why he's not here today. Um, no, <laughs> he's actually taking Sid to, co to college. But uh, he, the reason he doesn't like to do conflict series is it seems like just conflict arises up in his personal life. And I can say the same thing. Try having family from out of town in during a conflict resolution series. It's a recipe for disaster, okay? So all I want to do is take a little bit of time to say, I love you, mom. I love you, sister. This is an appropriate shout out to you when you listen to this on the podcast um, instead of the shout out that I gave to you. Uh, thank you for your forgiveness. Yes, isn't conflict interesting for all of us? Well, anyways, last week Trent mentioned as well in conflict, the reason it gets complicated is that we have these certain fighting styles. So there's several different fighting styles that we kind of take or that we do within conflict. And so the first one is uh, explosive fighting or an explosive fighter. So there's a person, when you get into conflict and they just kind of explode on you with something, they just lean into you, they just lash out. And some of you, you know these people. In fact, you're probably sitting next to them. Don't look at them. They might explode right now. So just don't look at them. And then on the other side of the spectrum, um, there is what we call a ghost fighter. And so when conflict arises, they just kind of disappear from conflict. And some of them are disappearing right now because we're just talking about conflict. Um, and then there's another style called the punch and runner. And so this is the person you get into a fight with them and they throw out their side of the things and then they literally start walking away from you. And you can't do anything about it because you're trying to keep up with them and they're just walking away in the midst of a conflict. And then there's a person called the grudge holder. And this is the person that just holds on to something even after we're all like dead. They're still talking about it. And so this person just continues to hold on to the hurt that's in their lives. And then finally, there's the person who's the sarcastic jabber. And so they just, after a conflict, they just toss out this little sarcastic remark and you're like, hey, didn't we like, you know, finish that? Didn't we, you know, solve things? And they're like, yeah, we're okay but you just don't know. You never know because they continue to just throw out these little sarcastic remarks one after another. Well, whatever your fighting style is, what we learned last week is that God wants us to fight for our relationships because the only other option is that we lose and God doesn't want that. So if you missed out on the message last week, I highly encourage you to listen to it from our website or on the podcast. Now today, we are going to focus on this choice that we all can make during conflict. It's an option that when we respond in conflict that we often don't take. It's something that we just don't really want to do. It's really not a popular choice at all, but it has the power to repair the damage that's in our relationships. Now, when we look at the different fighting styles that are out there, they're really representative of two different camps. 
So some of those fighting styles really rest on the side as what we would say when you respond in conflict with the characteristics of silence. And then on the other side, when we look at conflict in our fighting styles, really they rest in the camp of anger. And so when we get into a conflict, we either respond with silence or anger or sometimes a mixture of both. And when we do that, we do it because in the moment we think that it will really work. But do they really work? For instance, when we respond to somebody and we get into a conflict with someone, we typically, if we are a silence of person approach, we will try to avoid them. And so whether we're at fault or they're at fault, uh, we think the best option to avoid the conflict is to start to change our routines in life. So for some of us, we go to school and we say, you know what, I'm not going to deal with that person, so I'm going to change classes or I might even change schools. For some of us, we go to work and we might change our shift at work if we can, or we might change jobs. Some of us stop texting a person, or for some of us, we defriend them on Facebook. Or for some of us, if we don't want to deal with the person and we see them, as we're approaching them, we just kind of give them the smile and continue on. Or for some of us, if we get stuck in that conversation with them, we just kind of keep it at small talk level only. And then if we're a Christ follower, I love this one, often we'll justify the way that we're treating that person with just saying, well, I've forgiven them in my heart. But yet we allow the conflict to continue and to persist, and we give them silence. Now here's the problem with the silence treatment, okay? When we choose to avoid the conflict, we're really stuffing it. And stuffing it never really works. You know that phrase that time uh, heals everything? Well, it doesn't. It only prolongs the hurt in our lives. And so when we all of a sudden see that person and we're thinking about them, the hurt surfaces, the hurt comes up. Even when we're just thinking about the person, the hurt is still there. And so it really doesn't resolve the conflict, even though we've treated it with silence. Because here's what the silence treatment does. It really just creates bitterness in our hearts. And it continues to grow and grow and grow against that person. Then on the other side of the spectrum, the way we try to handle conflict is through responding with anger. And so in that moment, when we uh, get explosive, here's what is really happening in that moment. So we don't like the way that certain conflict is going on, so we feel the need to take control and have it go our way. And so we'll interrupt a person, and we'll just say, you know what, you're wrong, and I'm right. And sometimes we'll lie to that person, or sometimes we'll raise our voice just to make a main point. And sometimes we'll even use words that hurt or are inappropriate just because we want to dominate the conversation. And so we'll walk away in our anger, and we feel justified. And we feel justified that we've used anger because they were wrong and we were right. Now here's the problem with anger. Okay, Anger allows us to continue to have anger against that person. It never dissolves. Anger is still there against the person. And the next time that we approach that person, the quicker our fuse is. And so when we allow anger to come out, we activate anger. And it will come out at any time and on anyone. You know that saying, um, when a person uh, is kind of angry, you know that kind of old person who you're like wondering what happened to them or something. And, uh, you know, the older they get, the sweeter they get. No, the older they get, the angrier they get. Well, here's the reason. They've never talked it out. 
and it will come out. And so that's the problem with anger. Now, so when we respond with silence or anger, here's what those options do. Those options not only dissolve the chance of us ever like healing the relationship or restoring the relationship, but also endangers us. Do you know that there's, in the last 10 years, tons of studies on relationships and how our conflict impacts those relationships, but also our health. So I thought this was interesting, but look at these two examples that I found, two of these studies that are out there. Listen to this. Dr. Janice Glazer and her husband, Dr. Ronald Glazer, studied the immune systems of couples who had been married an average of 42 years by comparing those who argued constantly with those uh, who resolved their differences effectively. It turns out that arguing for decades doesn't lessen the destructive blow of the constant conflict. Quite the contrary, those who routinely failed in conflict had far weaker immune systems than those who found a way to resolve them well. And then listen to this other study. This is really powerful. In perhaps the most revealing of all health-related studies, a group of subjects who had contracted malignant melanoma received traditional treatment and then were divided into two groups. One group met weekly for only six weeks. The other did not. Facilitators taught the first group of recovering patients specific communication skills. When it's your life at stake, could anything be more crucial? After meeting only six times and then dispersing for five years, the subjects who learned how to express themselves effectively had a higher survival rate, only 9% succumbed to death, as opposed to almost 30% in the untrained group. Think about the implications of this study. Just a modest improvement in the ability to talk and connect with others corresponded to a two-thirds decrease in the death rate. And so here's what we all know. When we choose to respond with silence and anger, it takes a toll on us. It takes a toll on our relationships, but it takes a toll on us as well. When we choose to use silence and anger, we think that it will lead to freedom. Isn't that where we think it will go? freedom from conflict, freedom from that person. But instead, it breaks us. Instead, silence and anger control us. And it breaks our lives. And no one wins at all. So today, I want to talk about this third option. And again, it's not a popular option. But it's an option that could potentially help to mend our relationships and heal the brokenness in them. And it's an option that God prescribes. And so it's an option that all of us can take in conflict. So that's where we're heading today. So if you would, would you take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. If you have um, an electronic device with a Bible on it, feel free to use that. If you don't have one of the Bibles, in the, uh, you can always have a Bible from one of the back. Take it as a gift. Um, but before we jump in, as you're turning to Matthew 5, uh, verse 21, um, I just want you to look at your neighbor and say, let's get healthy. So here we go. Let's get healthy. All right. All right, before we dive in, let me tell you what's taking place um, in this passage. So here's Jesus who's trending in popularity uh, for his teaching and his miracles. Everyone's just tweeting away about what he's saying and what he's doing. Everyone wants a selfie with Jesus at this point. That's how popular he is in this moment. And so at this point, Jesus gives this amazing message. 
And this message is found in Matthew 5, chapter 5, all the way through chapter 7. And it's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason it's called that is because Jesus gave it on a hillside for several days near the city of Capernaum, which is about 100 miles north of Jerusalem. Now, the overall theme of the entire message for several days is Jesus is telling us how to be a God follower. For you see, at that time, the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the day had kind of misperception of what it meant to be a follower of God. And so Jesus is kind of outlaying what it really means to be a follower of God and how we are to interact with him in a relationship and how we're supposed to interact with others as well. And in this segment of this message, Jesus makes this major statement about conflict and how we're supposed to choose this option. And this is the option that can help us in our conflict resolution. Now, I'm going to start just before he makes that major statement. So let's pick up in verse 21. Jesus said, You have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. And so he's saying, This is what the Pharisees have been saying. Now I'm going to give a little clarification to this. But I say, If you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Now, when you read that, you might have to kind of do a double take. You kind of have to read that again. Did Jesus just kind of say what I think he said? And he did. In this point, he is putting murder and anger on the same footing. And he says that both should warrant judgment. And so the reason he was saying this, again, the Pharisees of the day had been teaching some things that weren't really on target at that moment. And the Pharisees at this point were so angry with Jesus. Here's Jesus kind of stealing their gig and leading people into a relationship with God and pointing them towards God. And they were upset. That was their job. You know, they were kind of angry. They were boiling with bitterness and they were jealous. And they thought that Jesus was wrong in what he was teaching as well. And so at that moment, Jesus would say, hey, watch your heart. Because here's what happened. Later on, the Pharisees, arranged for Jesus to be murdered. And they would say that they were, had no problem with doing that, that they were not wrong because they actually did not do the act themselves. But God would say, you know what? You guys are just as wrong as if you had done the act yourselves because your anger in your heart led you to do those types of things. Because here's the danger with anger, okay? Anger is dangerous. Anger belittles people. It says that you don't matter. It says that you are worthless. It says, I'll treat you worse than I would a stranger. See, when I shouted at my mom and sister, okay, that put a real distance in our relationship. When I did that, when I, uh, you know, did that to them, if I had held on to that anger, then I would be saying to them that you don't matter to me. And your response would be like, Tim, What in the world? How could you continue to be angry at your mama and your sister? And especially your mama. Come on. Like she did everything to raise you. Do you know how much she did to raise you? How can you continue to be angry at your mama? Well, that's the same thing that God looks at when he looks at when we're angry with people. He would say to us, come on, I created you. I created them. I love them. I died for them. How can you be angry at them? Because here's what happens when we get angry. We create a debt. A debt 
that can never be resolved by that person because we create distance with our silence and anger. So we won't allow them to come towards us to resolve the issue. We create an account against them that can never be fulfilled. And God would look at that and say, why in the world would I be involved with that? Why would I allow you, or why would I be around you allowing your anger to control you to do that? If you can't settle the account with someone, then you're actually holding that debt over their heads. And that's wrong. And God prioritizes relationships at one of the top things that he prioritizes. And so he can't be a part of that. And he would say, that's wrong. And it breaks his his heart when we do that. And so now this statement that Jesus is going to declare makes more sense. So listen to this statement. Again, it is a major statement from Jesus. It should speak loudly to us in the option that we should take. Instead of responding with silence and anger, this is the option that he tells us to take. Look at this in verse 23. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and the temple is in Jerusalem, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now, let me put this into perspective, okay? We're kind of removed from the crowd that Jesus was speaking to. Imagine you're in the crowd, and Jesus says this. This would have stunned them. It would have, like, their mouths would have hit the ground because the temple is in Jerusalem, And they were supposed to go, every single Jew was supposed to go to Jerusalem three times a year to make sacrifices, to worship God, to make sure that they were in a good relationship with God. And so remember, Jesus is near Capernaum, which is 100 miles north of Jerusalem. And so for people to travel to Jerusalem, it would have taken three to five days and they would have traveled by foot. So imagine, for us, the trip would be from Palm Coast to Disney World, okay? And so you pack up your family, you got the donkeys and everything, you're traveling on the busy highway, avoiding the landmine making you know, other animals that are out there on the road as well. And so you're walking with your family for three days or maybe even five days because you're a little bit slower or something and Trent's out ahead trying to win. But anyways, we're out there trying to make our, world to, uh, make our way to Disney World. Does that sound fun? No, it doesn't. And on top of it, when we get to Disney World or when we get to Jerusalem, Some scholars think that there potentially could have been 3 million people who had arrived at Jerusalem. How would you like to go to Disney World with 3 million people? You know, not very fun. And then you had to find a place to park and pitch. Park your donkey and pitch your tent, okay? And so they're charging outrageous prices for you to be able to do that. And then as you're waiting for the day to be called into the city to make your sacrifices, finally your day is called. So you go into the city and you didn't bring any extra animals to sacrifice. So now you've got to pay for an animal to buy and they're charging outrageous prices and your kids are saying, go with that one. No, go with that one. You know? And so all of a sudden you purchase your animal, you go and stand in this huge line. And this line could have taken you all day to get to the front. And so now you're with all these animals that smell. You're smelling the sacrifices that are going on throughout the entire day. You've got your kids and you don't have an iPhone with any app or anything or video to show them. And so finally, you get to the front of the line and you're ready to worship. 
and you're about to uh, put this sacrifice before God and you're checking your heart and all of a sudden you remember Bob who couldn't make the trip and he's back in Capernaum and he's upset with you. Jesus would say, stop. Leave your sacrifice. Get out of line. Travel all the way back to Capernaum. Make things right with Bob and then come back and offer your sacrifice. So your trip just went from 13 days to 26 days, and you had to pay for all those travel expenses. That's how serious God is about us reconciling our relationships. Let's read that again. Verse 23, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In other words, if we've hurt our friend's feelings, if we've let them down, or we've disappointed them, or we've lied to them, or we've cheated them, or if we even think that maybe we have done something, and we go to worship God, and we're in the midst of worshiping him, and it comes to mind, oh my goodness, I think Bob is mad with me, then we are to stop and we are to go. And Jesus even emphasized this later on. In another day that he was teaching, he said in Matthew 18:15, he adds this other aspect of going as well. It says in Matthew 18:15, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So if you've offended someone or they've offended you, we are to not just stuff it and think that we can move on. The reality is, is if we don't talk it out, we'll act it out. And it could endanger our lives just as much because we will treat that person differently, that they've either hurt us or we've hurt them. And in that moment, whether we've done the offense or not, God tells us it's our move. It's our responsibility. It's my move. We're supposed to do something about it. We're supposed to go at great lengths to put down everything, to travel as far as we need to, to spend as much time and money to go and try to reconcile that relationship. That's how passionate God is about our relationships. And here's this reason why this is such a major statement, okay? I can't think of anywhere in the Bible where God puts the priority of a relationship over the worship of himself. Read that again, verse 24. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So here's what God is saying. For us, when we worship God, it may be in the morning and we are reading our Bibles, or we're praying to him, or throughout the day as we talk to God throughout the day, or sometimes when we're in our small group and we're studying about God, or if we're attending a service and we're singing a song to him and the song speaks to our hearts, or maybe we're talking to someone and all of a sudden God impresses upon our heart that that person or some person in our lives might have something against us or we've done something against them, God would say, stop. Stop and rearrange your time. Stop and rearrange your focus. Stop and rearrange your schedule. Stop and rearrange your life so that you can go to that person and be reconciled 
or give a chance to be reconciled with that person. That's how much God cares about our relationships. That's when God says, that is more important than worshiping me in that moment. And that is amazing. Because how can we continue to worship God when we're in the midst of a conflict with someone else? And here's, you know, some of us, we might be thinking, well, what about the other person, you know? Why don't they come to me? And here's where God asks us to humble ourselves. Let's say, for example, that we've done like 1% of the wrong in the conflict, and they've done 99% of the wrong in the conflict. Well, at that point, God is asking us to own up, to lower our pride and own up to that 1%. And when we do that, we're honoring God with our lives. And we're saying, it's our responsibility. It's my move. It's our move together. And so I want to practice that a little bit together here. So I'm going to ask you a question, whose move is it? And I want us to respond, it's my move. And I want you to mean it, not like, it's my move, you know? So here we go, all right? So whose move is it? It's my move. Awesome. Let's do that again. Whose move is it? It's mine. Exactly. That's what God would want us to do. He would want us to move forward. And just a side note. All right. If you're married, never use percentages in your fight. Okay. Don't say I've done this and you've done that. Just warn you right there. All right. So why does God want us to go? Okay. The reason he wants us to go is because silence and anger never work. They don't work. Trying to avoid a person doesn't work. Trying to change jobs to avoid a person doesn't work. You know, defriending them on Facebook doesn't work. Sending a message through Facebook or email or a text doesn't work. Talking behind someone's back doesn't work because silence and anger never lead to peace, never allows a relationship to be mended. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be in a great relationship. And that's what we all want. No one starts out with saying, I don't ever want to be in a great relationship with anybody. We all want to be in a great relationship. So what happens if we go? What happens if we take the courage to go? When I've gone in the past to someone who has offended me or I've offended them, like I did with my mom and my sister, you give an opportunity for the relationship to be mended. You give an opportunity for the relationship to become stronger. This past week, when I had a conversation with my mom and my sister, I left those conversations feeling mended, feeling strengthened, and feeling stronger in the relationship with them than before. You know, it's kind of like when we break a bone. Do you know what happens when we break a bone? When we break a bone and they put you in a cast, okay, the body does everything that it can do to form a band to send calcium to that point of that break, And so it shuts down some of the things that are going on within that bone to send all this calcium to the point of that break. That's exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to stop, and he wants us to focus on that relationship and give him the opportunity to come into that relationship, to mend the relationship, to strengthen the relationship. And you will be stronger for it. You will have the peace that God says that you will have when you go and you try to mend the relationship. That's what God wants for us. Instead of allowing silence and anger to do its damage that we all know happens in our relationships. 
So let me ask you this question. Where are you at in your relationships? Is there a relationship that you need to mend? Is there a relationship that you've done some harm in? Is there a relationship that someone else has hurt you? What are you going to do about it? And a response should be, we're going to go. Let's do something about this. It's my move. It's not their move. It's my move. That's what God wants us to do. And here's what happens when we go. When we start to go in that process, then we will see God working on our behalf. So here's how we're going to close today. All right. Next week, we are going to focus on how we're supposed to go. And so today, I want to start that process. I'm going to ask Mitch to come on out. And today, we're going to conclude with just a time of extended prayer. And here's what we're going to do during that time of prayer. I want us to start preparing our hearts for next week and listening to how we should go in our conflicts or our relationships with people that are broken. And so today, I want us to do a heart check. I want us to check our hearts and surrender maybe some things to God that we need to talk to him about. And so I'm going to talk about several things in the course of the time that we pray together. And each time I bring up one of these things, you're going to have a time to talk to him about that subject. And so what I want us to do, all of us, is to bow our heads at this point. And I want us to pray through this section that I'm going to lead us in. And again, there's several things that I want us to pray about together. And so the first thing that I want to throw out to us as you're starting to talk to God and listen to him is maybe you have a lot of bitterness and anger in your life. And you know you have tried to combat that anger and bitterness and it gets the better of you. And the reason for some of you that there's so much anger and bitterness in your life and you can't imagine forgiving someone is that you've never been forgiven yourself. And so if you have never accepted Jesus into your life who will forgive you of all of your sins, then I'm going to guide you in a prayer to accept his love for you, to forgive you of all of your wrongs that you have done against people and against him. And so the key to sometimes releasing our anger and bitterness is realizing how much someone has forgiven us. So if you've never prayed to receive Christ, just repeat these words to yourself and pray this to God. Say, dear God, I admit that I have done a lot of wrong things against you and others. I recognize that today I can come to you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for my wrongs. I believe you can do away with my wrongs because you came back to life. Please forgive me and be my God. And then some of you have been using silence and anger as weapons in your relationships. And so right now, I want to pause and I want you to admit that you've been using silence and anger in your conflicts. And I want you to ask God for forgiveness. So go ahead and talk to him about the way that you've used silence and anger.
Next, I want you to ask God to bring to mind anyone that you need to go to. Maybe someone that you've offended or someone who has offended you. And I just want you to check your heart and see if there's someone that you need to go to. And if there is, commit to God that you will go to that person, that you will come back next week and learn how to go. If you're fired up and ready to go, then you're not ready to go. And so God, ask him to help you learn how to go. And so make that commitment to him right now. And then finally, some of you, you might be having someone come to you and you're not prepared for that. And so would you at this time just tell God that you are open if someone comes to you and talks to you and that you're going to be coming back next week to hear how you can help resolve that conflict. And so at this point, just talk to God and ask him to help you if someone comes to you that you have no clue about and be ready to think of them higher than being right. And so tell God that. let me close in prayer. Father, thank you so much. You know how much that you forgive us for so much. God, thank you that you never give up on us. And no matter how many times we mess up, God, you continue to cheer us on. And so God, give us the courage, Lord, as we go. Give us the courage to come back and learn how to resolve our, our conflicts the way that you want us to resolve them. Thank you so much for what you say to keep us away from harming ourselves, to keep us away from harming our relationships. God, thank you for providing this option. And I pray that we will take this option, which leads to peace, which leads to the potential of mending our relationships. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for taking that step towards mending our relationships. I just want to encourage you, on your way out, there is the Spiritual Growth Challenge. And on there, I've put two resources that you can look at that are books that you can purchase uh, on your own that help in this process. One of them is about how we to go. And then the other one is about choosing forgiveness. So check that out. And if we run out of them, uh, you can always go online and get, them, get the Spiritual Growth Challenge under the resource tab. And so thank you so much for being here today and have a great Sunday. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Chris Seppi. Welcome to Epic. So glad that you're with us. I've got just a few things to talk to you about. So if you want to go ahead and grab your announcement sheet that's sitting on your bench, you can follow along with me. First of all, like you saw from the video, Starting Point is our first small group environment that we want everybody to attend. It's a 10-week conversational environment where people can begin to explore the story of God and experience community. So if you haven't been through it yet, 
You'll definitely want to go through it. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a starting point introduction meeting on September 14th after both services over here in the teacher's lounge. If that's something that you're interested in, please visit our website, theepicchurch.com, and click on the sign-up tab for starting point. This way we have an idea of about how many people will be attending that. You know, one of the things that we do here at Epic is we've partnered with Habitat for Humanity in the past, and we're getting ready to do our eighth home build with them. But one of the really cool things is, is this September 13th, we're not just giving back to our community that we live in, we're giving back to a member of Epic, Jen Sorrentino. We're going to be framing her home on September 13th. So please visit the website, get signed up, come out for a great day. Our food prep team is already full, but we still need builders. So if you can wield a hammer, and trust me, nobody's worse than Trent wielding a hammer. So at least you won't be the worst person out there building. So please, come on out there and wield a hammer, do something. Uh, let's give back to Jen. Uh, she's really excited. We're really excited for her. So let's do that. One of the other things that we do here at Epic is we partner with Grace Community Food Pantry. And you know, they, they serve over 600 families a month. That's a lot of people in need. But Grace Community Food Pantry also needs help. So what we've, what we've decided to do as a church is we're going to hold a food drive. So our Connection Center is over in the rear in the corner over there. We've got a bunch of brown paper bags. So I invite you, if you're able to, grab one of those bags, fill it up with some donations, and bring it back on any Sunday during the month of September, and we'll make sure that that gets brought over to them. So I don't know if everybody realizes or not, but next month, Epic is going to be five years old. Woohoo! Are you excited? Are you excited? Well, good. I'm glad you're excited because we're so excited, we're throwing ourselves a birthday bash. And guess what? You're all invited. September 21st, mark your calendar. September 21st, after second service, we've secured the field in the back of the school. We're going to have games, face painting, bounce houses. We're going to supply you lunch. A little bit of fear factor going on. We're not going to say too much about it. That's for everybody to see. That's, uh, you know, have to come to the birthday bash to see what, what I'm talking about. So all I ask you to do is invite a friend or a family member just bring a chair. It's about the only thing you'll need. September 21st, right after second service. So if you've been coming to Epic for a while and you'd like to partner with us uh, through giving, there's two ways you can do that. Number one, you can visit our website, theepicchurch.com, like I said, and click on the giving tab. You can donate electronically. Or if you want to utilize the giving boxes, they're set up at the end of the seating sections on the tables over there. If you're new with us today, welcome. We're happy that you're here. Uh, if you have a chance or a moment after service, pop on into our Connection Center. We'd love to meet you personally, answer any questions that you may have about our church. And the last thing is Financial Peace University. We've been talking about it. If you're signed up for that and you just need to settle up on your materials, Gary Antosh will be at the back over here at the Connection Center after service. He's wearing a black polo shirt. Just go see Gary after service. Got it? All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Sit back. Enjoy the rest of service.